Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is the Aunt May to my Anna Watson, my friend Eddie. How are you doing, Eddie? Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm doing great. I'll be Aunt May. That's fine with me. Yeah, sure. You are. You are Aunt May. Because <laughs> your, uh, your house situation is always up in the air. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not as frail as Aunt May, I hope. <laughs> I don't think you're as frail as Aunt May. But that's not what we like about Aunt May. We don't think about her frailty. We think about her wholesome good sense and her strong values that kept Peter from turning into Doc Ock. Moral, the moral compass of Spider-Man. <laughs> so, Eddie, in an effort to get our podcast rolling along and more efficient, we've discussed the Eddie 111, which is instead of the... <laughs> 411 on the issue. The 111 is your attempt to summarize the issue in 111 seconds. All right, all right. What what do you what is this implying? Vegas is not taking bets because no one is taking the side that says you can do this. All right, fine. Guess what? I don't care if I lose. So, we're going to try to we're going to try to see if this works out with issue 41 and Eddie uh Whenever you're ready, I got my timer ready, so good luck in letting Here us know. Here we go. Yeah. The horns of the rhino. All right. We thrillingly open with two old ladies, Aunt May and Miss Watson, discussing the possibility of moving in together. But Aunt May is too concerned about leaving fragile Peter. In the panel after the statement, we ironically see Peter putting a down payment on a new motorcycle. He uses the kind-hearted J. Jonah Jameson as a credit reference while J. Jonah Jameson is on the phone scheming to keep Peter indebted as to force Peter into taking more pictures. JJJ's son, John Jameson, appears for the first time since issue one. In an effort to prove Spidey is good to his dad. John retells the farcical tale of when Spidey helped him land a space capsule, and then reveals while on his latest mission he was exposed to some space spores. Because this exposure could give a country an edge in the space race, he is tailed day and night to prevent being kidnapped. On the next page, a bulletproof border guard ramming rhino is out for a determined jog through the desert. That's it for the rhino's intro. <laughs> Peter bumps into Betty and realizes we never had anything in common. Betty feels the same-ish. I feel like there's a pessimistic outlook from both of them in this scene resulting in some mixed signals. On his walk home, Peter bumps into J. Jonah Jameson and his son and sees the government guards. Once home, studying, he hears on the radio that the rhino is in New York and swings off to stop him. He finds J.J.J.'s son kidnapped by the rhino and has a strange fight. It appears Spider-Man can't hurt the rhino until he does by knocking his head in the ground and knocking him out. After the fight, Peter takes his new motorcycle out for a spin and sees Gwen and realizes her beauty. Gwen maintains her bewildering interest in Peter. We are left with the cliffhanger of seeing Mary Jane next issue. Yeah, 101 seconds. You had 10 seconds left. <laughs> Great job. You know, Aunt May is always so concerned about Peter being so frail and fragile. Is this because, I'm, I'm assuming it's because he was he really was frail and fragile before he was Spider-Man? Was he a frail boy? And, and if so, wouldn't she notice the difference that we noticed these past few years? I mean, is he, is he still going home and acting frail and fragile? Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, in this issue, Aunt May and Peter say no less than four, probably five times, like as thought bubbles, well, I wouldn't want to leave Peter or I wouldn't want to leave Aunt May because they are so fragile. It would seem like Peter becoming Spider-Man would change his fragility in the eyes of Aunt May. And I don't know if you're kind of re referencing like physically or like just in how Peter 
moves around his world, you know, how he behaves. But physically, I think one of the things about Peter Parker is that he doesn't change physically hardly at all. I mean, he was a skinny little guy in high school, and then later on, he's still a skinny little guy. And he's Spider-Man. He just has this hidden, all these hidden powers. It's a little bewildering why they're so concerned about each other, but it just speaks of the really intense bond that they both have. And I think Peter's still pretty meek and kind of sulky almost, oftentimes. And she might perceive this as being fragile, maybe? Yes. Uh, that's what I was thinking too, Eddie. So when it comes to the whole Peter and Betty non-romance, when they run into each other awkwardly and they have that part, Eddie, do you know what I'm talking about when they're sitting around thinking about yeah. each other? I remember that. From, okay. I mentioned it in the summary, so... Yes, yes. It's a little unrealistic, I thought, for them both to suddenly lose the feelings. Did you think that at all, or no? It, not only do I... Well, like I said in the summary, it feels like they actually... They're saying words, but like they're thinking something else. It just feels like there's a lot of mixed signals in this little scene. So I was thinking about it, and I'm like, wow, I don't know if this even makes sense that they both would suddenly have no feelings. Like You could argue that maybe one of them would be out of it. It just seems unrealistic that they both suddenly have no feelings. However, this is the second time we've done this move, which is we're going to swap out a Peter Parker romance one for the other. Uh, do you remember the last swap we did? Well, this was for Liz Allen for Gwen Stacy, right? Correct. And now we're doing, and, and that happened like the next issue. Liz leaves, right. Gwen comes in. Here, Betty's leaving, essentially. he's She's leaving his romance. And we're going to bring Mary Jane in like the next issue. So I think that's just a matter of like, hey, let's just do this again. Too many girls we can't handle. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I don't, I don't like how it goes particularly, but it, it seems artificial. I agree. It yes. doesn't seem. I, I felt it was real. unrealistic that they both would have no feelings. They'd both be like, let's just get out of here. But um, I don't want to talk about the rhino because he comes up so much later, like the whole, like yeah. the, his origin is going to be two issues from now. So um, that's what I really wanted to talk about in 41. Do you got anything else? My, my only thing is I think it's a good time to bring in a new villain and like a kind of powerful villain too because we just had the end of Green Goblin um, in the last issue. So I was happy to see Ryan, the Rhino, although he remains very mysterious. That is for certain. Well, do you want to do uh, tell us what's happening? You give us the one, 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 Eddie on um, Amazing Spider-Man 42. The, you think you can do it? The, the birth of a superhero. Oh, yeah, I can. All right, here we go. Amazing Spider-Man number 42, everybody. Spider-Man is robbing a bank on page one. Spoiler, it's not Mysterio, Craven, or the Chameleon. He takes a money bag and dumps it in the river without explanation. Meanwhile, the Space Force uh, within John Jameson caused him to grow and become super strong while waiting to catch a flight with his dad. His government guards take him to the lab where Tony Stark builds him a suit to contain his powers. Someone refers to John as a superhero, and J. Jonah Jameson flips out because of all his hate for superheroes. JJJ gets a call and happily learns Spidey is a crook. In a somewhat reckless manner, John goes out to find and capture Spidey. Then, we are in a jail cell with a passed out rhino. Doctors can't get his rhino suit off, nor pierce it with anything. He is unrestrained, wakes up, bashes through a wall, but then is gassed and knocked out again. Really not getting a lot of story out of the rhino. Peter bumps into Gwen at school. She invites him to a party, but then he remembers he has to go to Miss Watson's for dinner and turns her down. Later, as the veil of the night begins to shroud the restless city. I love this line from Stan. Uh, anyways, Spider-Man sees a giant angry John Jameson while web-swinging. He's very strong. They fight. Spidey <laughs> taps him in the face with some web and swings away. 
Spider-Man then tells the story of how the money bag he took for the bank actually contained a bomb. He goes to Jameson to clear his name. It doesn't go well. Surprise, surprise, everyone. The store, the space spores within John Jameson have also turned him cruel and evil. He relentlessly goes after Spidey again. They meet and begin to fight again. In perhaps one of Spidey's most brilliant and dangerous moves, he chucks John into an electric magnetic generator, which not only stops super strong John, but cures him of his space spore illness. The police arrive and can't figure out who cured him, and J. Jonah Jameson spins it, so it's all Spidey's fault. Peter goes home, goes to Sunday dinner with Aunt May at Miss Watson, and we finally see the stunning, sassy Mary Jane. Finally, James B. Yeah, I, I've been <laughs> She's waiting. She's there. We've been waiting a long, long time. A long time. We get two panels with her, a back shot and then a front <laughs> shot. Speaking of shots, people shoot the rhino all the time with bullets. It bounces off his skin. <laughs> and the doctors are trying to stick needles in his skin. Why doesn't somebody just give him a shot in his face? <laughs> I, I cannot figure that out either. I mean, I, the whole time I was thinking, like, I hope he doesn't get shot in the face because is his face bulletproof? I mean... <laughs> I know the rhino hangs out, and I, I was going to comment about this. The, the rhino looks, they talk about him not winning a beauty competition, but he also looks incessantly, like, constipated. I was thinking how the rhino, if you look at his pictures, he's either got his face in, like, this angry, like you said, constipated look. He does open his mouth in one panel, but for the most part, or, or once in a while he opens his mouth, but he's pretty much got that same angry look all the time. I agree. It's a... I, I, we have to assume that his face is also bulletproof and shotproof for whatever reason. So, I mean, yeah, right? That's the only assumption we can live off of with the rhino. Correct. Do you see Spider-Man singing his uh, song there, The Greatest of Ease? <laughs> I loved that part. It was a great, great panel. He's <laughs> one of my favorites in this one. He sung it before the same song, you know. A long time ago. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, the, the trapeze song. It must be the one song that was popular you know that was their wrecking ball in 19 uh, late 1960s <laughs> i don't know about that but <laughs> it's an appropriate song for him to be swinging the man on the or singing the man on the trapeze while swinging around for sure <laughs> uh james b there, there's a few cameos in this one uh tony stark is mentioned matt murdoch is mentioned and the hulk you know it made me think of the human torch and i'm wondering you might be better at this than me why? Why are they mentioning these guys? Do they need help in their own comics? Is that why they're invading Spider-Man? It's the whole universe still, right? I mean, well, first of all, Matt Murdock is going to appear in the next issue, and, and he has appeared in the previous Spider-Man. But you're saying, why do they get True. mentioned again? He, when he yeah. jumps like the Hulk, I thought that was... So what happens is, uh, for those who didn't read this issue, at one point, he's fighting, and John Jameson leaps at spider-man because spider-man can always just keep away from him but they give him this leaping ability and he's like oh no he can leap like the hulk i think they just wanted to make you understand how he could fight spider-man because he can leap mm. like the hulk i thought that's all i um and matt murdoch that gets mentioned only because of the lawyer part right right but i mean i don't know i just was curious because they haven't been mentioned spider-man to the best of my memory hasn't had anyone else mentioned besides him and whoever he is battling for quite a while now. So I don't know. I, I guess like it's the Hulk, the Hulk I looked up is getting relaunched in 1968. Perhaps that's mentioning the Hulk a little bit to remind everybody. Yeah. He's sharing, he's sharing a book with Submariner now, I think at this moment. Oh. And he's going to like, and, and in fact, they'll keep the numbering when the book hits a hundred, they'll Hulk will take over it as Hulk like one oh one. There is no yeah. like, Hulk issue one. 
So, I, I almost want to say it's, I don't want to say it's Tales to, I think it's Tales to Astonish, which... Just... Yeah, that's what it was. I looked it up. Tales to Astonish. All right. You reminded me. Well done, James B. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, he'll just take he'll just take over that issue. And Tony Stark, uh, Iron Man is part of Tales of Suspense. That's his issue. And, and Captain America is appearing in that, too. They're appearing in it together. Oh. Yeah, they're, and they're going to, again, they're going to break them up and have them do their own thing. Oh, so. so there's a lot going on, for sure. Eddie, this, this last one, I, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot here with your uh, thing. So how about we do something different with your summary? Okay. How about we uh, How about we share the summary? Sounds good. All right. Amazing Spider-Man 43 is called Rhino on the Rampage. Um, so the Rhino is escaping from jail. Everyone has forgotten about the fact that he escaped, what, not less than a week ago. Um, <laughs> they show Betty at the Bugle, and she has her engagement ring on from Ned. And this is a point where Foswell thinks, hmm, I thought it was going to be Peter Parker. So they at least acknowledge that relationship. Peter is in La La Land with Mary Jane at Miss Watson's Sunday dinner. Uh, Mary Jane proves to be the chillest, grooviest lady Peter has ever met. He's all into her, and then there's some news. A news report comes on about the rhino, and he's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And she's like, hey, we should go look for the rhino. And he's like, this is perfect. I'll use this opportunity to to get out there, and I can switch into Spider-Man at some point. Ed, do you want to take over from here? Sure. While riding to the rhino, there's an odd cameo of Matt Murdock thinking about the rhino, going after the rhino, but then he says, the web singer deserves first crack at the rhino. All right. Then we finally get a backstory on the rhino. He worked for a bunch of professional spies who had some shady scientists inject and adhere a rhino hide onto his body. They thought he was too dumb to ever disobey a command. <laughs> Poor rhino. But the, equip, the experiment makes him smarter, and he busts out of there, burning down everything in the process. Back in New York, Peter and MJ find the rhino. Peter disappears to take better pictures and fights the rhino. At one point, Spidey says he can't stop him by whomping his head which is kind of some short-term memory loss for Spidey we can talk about later. Anyways, the rhino is too slow to catch Spidey and so decides to charge towards innocent bystanders in a bid to make Spidey attack him. It works, and Spidey nearly bites the dust, but a cop saves him, and the rhino, thinking he finished Spidey off, continues on his merry way. James B., you want to finish this one off? Sure. Uh, Peter finds uh, a small chunk of the rhino's hide, and he uses that with Doc Connors, and they whip up something to... Uh, to stop the rhino, but they don't really show you what it is. Uh, he shoots him with the, a web, and it's in the web, and you, you know you see it, it's all over the rhino, and you're like, what's going on? And then you realize that the web is starting to melt the rhino's hide. And um, Spider-Man walks up to him, and now he's like, oh, you have no costume. And he hits him with like one one punch man, knocks him out. Pow! He goes back to check in on uh, John Jameson. Um, you know, dad's over there craving that Spider-Man is behind the whole thing. And uh, Colonel Jameson gives him like a, hey, thanks, Spider-Man. I got you. And he's like, everything's okay. And that uh, that finishes off that issue. Except there's a point that says there's one page left. What are we going to do with this page? Weird. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I think they want to just get some more information. And they felt awkward, like how they're jamming it into like, we don't know what to do. Eddie, what did they tell us on that last page? Uh, we find out Flash has been drafted. Aunt May, Aunt May is broke and can't afford medicine. And Mary Jane doesn't care if Peter calls her again. In the end, Peter is sad. And that, that's the ending. But I, I think Peter misinterprets Mary Jane. I mean, Mary Jane is so fun and kind of chill through this whole comic. 
he's he's not reading the signal right. He's she was just like, sure, call me whenever. We can hang out. It'll be fun. But he's like, she doesn't even care if I call her again. I agree. I, but I I reread it. I'm like, did I miss something? I don't know. Maybe maybe back then. Maybe that's how people was, speak. I don't know. It was baffling. It was. It reminded me strangely of the Betty and Peter like final breakup from two issues before that. A messed up signal here between Mary Jane and Peter. He he seems to be really negative about his relationships with whatever woman he's talking to, which is not good. Not good for Peter. Let's see what else I have. My uh, I had some I had some notes here. Did you see the part where uh, he lifts his mask up to call uh, Aunt May? Yes. Yeah, I saw him with his mask. So I like the fact that he's calling Aunt May because if you recall a few of our podcasts ago, he was getting in trouble for not calling Aunt May. And then he called her. And now he remembers to call her. They're like, that hasn't stopped. He still has to call her. I'm glad. Good continuity. Agreed. Eddie, this apartment situation. It's like, did you ever watch Three's Company, the TV show, or no? I never, no, I never watched that. Uh, have you ever watched any, sorry, have you ever watched any 80s? Or 90s sitcom where the characters are like getting mixed signals and they're just like, can, ever? Wait, can we say Seinfeld? Seinfeld work? Uh, probably. Probably. It's, Seinfeld might be a little too smart for this situation. But I'm just going to say, Eddie, I'm getting stressed out about the apartment situation. It really bothers me that Aunt May really wants to move and Peter wants to move, but they don't know the other person wants to move and, and the other, they think the other person needs them. It, it like legitimately bothers me. It's such a saga, and it happens over and over again. And it's like, if you two are so close, then why can't you communicate? It it, it disturbs me also. Like, it disturbs me. Because, like, I would think that their relationship would be so good, they could talk about these things more openly. But I'm fearful that, like, Peter Parker beating Spider-Man for such a long time, he's just, like, closed doors to Aunt May as to who he is. And, like I said, I'm disturbed by it, so... I'm, Agreed. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a big it's a big deal to me. I think it's a bigger problem than fighting the rhino because I feel like that's going to resolve itself. <laughs> hey, I saw Matt Murdock and Doc Connors, and I thought, wow, I'm glad to see one of them. But why is Matt Murdock even in this issue? I don't know. I I can't understand why he appears in through four panels. Yeah, along with the uh, a lot Poggy. With Poggy. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot. Of, I don't I don't know either. Um. Spider-Man gets saved by a police officer. The Rhino does something that not many villains have done. He, like, baits Spider-Man openly by going after bystanders. And I think this is just a brilliant move because he can't really get his hands on him. And he's like, fine, I will just endanger, you know, these bystanders. You, you so have brought, come after me, so. You have brought that up before. You've brought I up have. that. You say that villains should do this more often. I remember it very well. The last villain was the Meteor. He, like blew up a thing and it fell towards some people and Spider-Man had to save it and the meteor got away and then long ago it was Doc Ock when he had his little <laughs> toddler rampage yep. through the uh, city yep, <laughs> he did he the threw same thing the... with the sign yes he did the sign exactly <laughs> um, do you recall the difference like how it's different though you, you just kind of said it but how it's different how the, how the rhino handled it do you understand why it was different from the rhino from the other two people well it was it was a calculated move to get his hands on Spider-Man as right. opposed to escape. But I was thinking that the Rhino like says, I'm going to do this. Oh. Like he announces it. He's like, 
He's like, you know what? He's the rhino says something like, hey, I, I'm not gonna. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to make you come to me. I'm going to do something right now that's going right. to make you come to me. Like that's mm-hmm. and when he said that, I knew what he was going to do. I'm like, "Oh, he's going to go attack the people." Where when the other people do it, they just sort of like, "I'll oh, attack people." And you know, but like he's like announcing to everybody, "I'm going to do this." So I just thought that was a little different. I like that a lot. And like another thing about the rhino and how the rhino is, you know, his he is met his, you know, his rhino flesh gets melted off from the web that they created i thought this was a very complex way that spider-man had to go about beating the rhino and in fact the same with um john jameson spider-man really had to like he didn't like you know cook up a chemical bath or whatever but he did chuck him into the electricity which solved john jameson's problems in a big way too I, i i was curious to you know I think Spider-Man's going to have to be more complex in how he's beating villains, as opposed to just like slugging it out and out slugging his villains, you know? Well, Doc Connors is impressed that he's a scientist, so at least he gets a little bit of props from somebody for doing something different than punching people. <laughs> Doc Connors scared me. He was like, should I become the lizard to help you? I'm like, whoa, 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 man. <laughs> I, I don't think you should do that, Doc Connors. Remember last time? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Doc Connors is never going to change back into the lizard again. Nothing to worry about there. <laughs> That's, you know, obviously he just appeared prominently in this, this issue. <laughs> and do you have in your notes, favorite MJ line? I'm ready. I'm trying to, I'm bringing back some old juice here for the, uh, the podcast. I, MJ's talking is just so fun. Like overall, I can only imagine Stan Lee, like having a blast writing MJ <laughs> in Get- this book. Give me your favorite MG line. All right. I mean, you're mad, Dad. <laughs> or you're right from Groovesville. <laughs> There's so many good ones. It's impossible to pick a good one for sure. But her whole dialogue is so much fun to read. Okay. I, I would go with when she sees the rhino at one point and she says, great, I'll bet the rhino's a real swinger. <laughs> They're brilliant the rhino's a real swinger <laughs> yeah and she calls it right every every line she has she's got that whole hipster hippie thing i mean don't forget yeah, it's draft time in the real world right we were flash is getting drafted into the military right. uh and so we've got the drafts you got the hippies and all that stuff going on yeah, well. yeah i wasn't it's pretty it's kind of a dark i a dark thought for sure because he's getting drafted into vietnam right believe so i mean that's the, yeah what's the war they don't have to say it they don't, maybe they don't want to date it but yeah. that's, that's what he's doing that's what's so, going on so when i saw these three issues 41 42 43 i thought eh, whatever rhino you know whatever but um yeah i thought 42 really held up and 43 was fine as well i thought they were better than i thought they were gonna be because the last issue with john jameson having his battle and the rhino being in it as well and the intro to mj i thought that was a really good issue and then this one here kind of like the end of the rhino and then the appearance of doc connors and every time you give me like two things at once um i like it i know a lot of people don't like um when there's multiple things going on I mean, obviously we saw kind of the disaster of the first annual of the sinister six but i, I think mm-hmm. two i think two villains or two major characters besides spider-man i think that's that's really good i like that better than just one so i like i like the last two issues a lot it gives a lot of foreshadowing and i do agree i think 42 with john jameson coming back and his backstory and like J. Jonah. I mean, I'm a big J. Jonah Jameson fan too. I like when he's involved in things. He always brings such a dramatic emotional state 
<laughs> to every situation, either total anger or disgust or pure joy. <laughs> but um, having John Jameson back, and I, I do think when I thought about it, this is it was a brilliant victory for Spider-Man when he chucked John Jameson into the electric generator or whatever and defeated him and cured him both at the same time. Well done, Spider-Man. Yeah, that with the exception of that cover, that's a, a completely excellent issue, that whole issue. I was really surprised. Just like when I remember I was surprised when the, uh, like how I liked the Enforcers. I thought that was going to be kind of a garbage mm-hmm. issue, but I was like, wow, I really like this issue when, when I when I read it and really thought about it. Um, I had something else we didn't talk about. Sure. Um, Harry Osborn? He makes a brief appearance. I don't even know if I know what he does in this. He He comes in as a Peter stand, like big time. Uh, Flash makes fun of Peter, and the, this is all the last page. Um, Flash makes f- makes fun like he's, his his first line to Peter is like, "Hey, did you get your notice yet?" You know, and Flash is like, "Peter's, you know, he's not going to go in there." And he's like, "Uh, that escapes me, your humor." You know what I mean? And then he says, "Why don't you guys bury the hatchet?" He's just he's all pro Peter. Like every line he makes is Flash, stop being a jerk. I did. I did notice this, but I didn't note it heavily. I, I mean, I I remembered that Peter did show um, Harry. Harry quite a bit of empathy in regards to his father, or not in regards to his father, but just in regards to um, his bad day. Uh, Eddie, I think we need to squeeze in a sponsor, or else we're going to get not be able to uh, afford this podcast. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Sure, Eddie. You're already laughing at my sponsor. I know. You, it didn't go We have well. a new sponsor for today, Eddie. We have a new one. We, <laughs> yes. The last sponsor was unhappy with us, but that's okay. I have a new sponsor. Right. Eddie, are you looking for money? Would, would you like to be the strongest man alive? If you said yes to both of those questions, you are in luck. At Professional Spies Incorporated, we are looking for stupid people to do dirty jobs. While you lie motionless, we will coat you with a form of molecular adhesive, which will become as much a part of you as a second skin. Eddie, you can get the strength of a rhinoceros. Just remember, we owe allegiance to no nation except the country that pays us the best, and your allegiance is only to us. Your very lack of intelligence will prevent you from ever betraying us, and you will be the perfect assassin. Brainless, <laughs> obedient, and invincible. So tell your friends to sign you up on the internet at darkweb backslash psi.org. You are sending the listeners to the dark web <laughs> to be poisoned by evil scientists. There's no poisoning, Eddie. I'm sorry. This is a this is a sponsor who's offering people to be strong and rich. Eddie, seriously, I, I, I would I would like to be strong and rich, wouldn't you? I think I think the vetting process has to be a little more uh, exhaustive before we, we let the dark web scientist spy network <laughs> turn our listeners into experiments. <laughs> I'm not sure, James B. I, uh, I, I won't be sad if this sponsor doesn't sponsor us again. That's all I have. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when you could, re- you know, some of our some of our episodes have like eight uh, eight downloads, Eddie. I mean, 
it's it's hard to All find right. sponsors, okay? Uh, and you keep you keep doing this to them, and and then. Well, how about how about just say? You know what? I'm not really sorry. Yes. <laughs> perhaps perhaps you might say not if not perfect for you, but there might be some people who this is a good deal for. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, James B. <laughs> so at this point, it's time to wrap things up. And we often wrap things up with a some line from the book, even though nobody ever seems to know it. It just makes us sound extra stupid. So uh, please reach out to us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Um, I'm James B. here with Eddie. And remember... Uh, I'll keep a stiff upper lip till you buzz me again. Here! By the way, we didn't even do. We didn't even talk about. We didn't even talk about the stupid bag of money that he throws in. The That's thing. what I was gonna say. I'm like, what? Like, how dangerous is it that he like picks up a bomb and just carries it away with him too? And 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 quick, ready? You have ten seconds to answer me. Where'd this bomb come from? Some guy putting it in the in the bank. It's it's not even covered, right? It's not like it's resolved. Very unclear. I, I wanted to kind of discuss that because I wanted to be like, well, does Spider-Man's spider sense indicate when the bomb is going off? Because that would be an interesting aspect of his spider sense. If he is holding this bag and like as the bomb is getting closer to going off, he's feeling more and more pressure, you know, like in his spider sense. That would have been a really fascinating aspect for them to...